Amen. Um, we're going to uh, dive into part four of our fearless series, fearless series this morning. This has uh, been a series that we've been uh, chewing on for the last several weeks. We've been looking at the life of David, drawing some some powerful truths out of there. And I want to I want to um, I want to adjust your expectations this morning. OK, because for the last several weeks, we've, it's mainly been about inspiration. Somebody say inspiration inspiration. Today is going to be about instruction. Somebody say instruction. It's going to be pastoral. Okay. Cause, cause so much of David's life is just inspiring. It just makes you like, ah, oh, I want to be like that. But then there's some nitty gritty that you got to get into. You got to get into some of the nuts and bolts, some of the blocking and tackling. If you want to actually pursue the kinds of things that David was pursuing, this fearless uh, a pursuit of God. And so we're going to get into that today. And I'm going to read you uh, a, a passage of scripture. Um, and, and, and I'll sort of give you the context as we go through it. It's a long passage of scripture, but I know you're going to stay with me uh, all the way through it. So let's read this passage uh, out of 1 Samuel chapter 24. It says this, Saul took 3,000 of Israel's choice men and went to look for David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. Okay, let me just pause you, give you some context so we don't, uh, you know, so we understand where we're at. David, as you know, slew Goliath a few weeks ago. Remember that? He slew him, just killed him. And then he was promoted to a general in Saul's army. Saul was the king of Israel. And David was promoted and he was out and people were singing songs about him. And they were saying, Saul has killed his thousands, but David is ten thousands. And, and people were celebrating him. There were dances in the street. It was a party for David. Well, normally the king under normal circumstances would say, man, this guy is really advancing the purposes of Israel and the purposes of God. And I just want to celebrate him. I want to promote him. I want to empower him. I want to, I want to grow him. Right. But Saul didn't do that. Saul Saul said, this guy's a threat to me. Saul said, this guy is, is scaring me because people love him more than me. And Saul became envious of David. Saul became jealous of David. And Saul began to undermine David. And first it was somewhat subtle, and then it got a little more aggressive. Started thro- like literally throwing spears at David. All right, so it got really bad. So David said, you know, it's probably best that I leave the palace because the, the, the king is trying to kill me. So, Saul, so David left the palace, went out into the wilderness, and a group of misfits gathered around him. People that couldn't be accepted anywhere else. They started following David. And David formed this band of ro- roving fugitives. This is the future anointed king of Israel, by the way. This is somebody that the prophet Samuel has said, you're going to be king. But it, it, how many of you know sometimes you can be anointed, but you haven't yet been appointed? Anybody ever been in a situation where like, you know where you're going, but you're just not there yet? Like, you know where you're trying to get to somebody, but there's some stuff you got to get through before you can get to. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? There are times in your life where you're, where you're not, you're just not on the mountaintop anymore. David went from the mountaintop. Now we find him in the valley. If you're hiding out in a place called the crags of the wild goats or whatever it is called, the rocks of the wild goats, life's not going well for you in that moment. All right. So Saul's coming out to find him. And I'm not going to stop and preach on every scripture like this. Okay. I'm going to get through this and then I'm going to preach. Uh, So they're out there looking for him with the wild goats. When Saul came to the sheep pens along the road, a cave was there and Saul went in to relieve himself. I should just keep on going, but I should probably also stop and give you a little context on that. In the Hebrew, the word is covered his feet. Saul, Saul, the king, left his men, went into this cave and covered his feet. Translators have tried to figure out exactly what that means. It either means that he took a nap 
or it means that he went to the restroom. Either way, he was in a vulnerable position. Amen? Let's leave it at that, and let's just keep on going. David and his guys are in the cave. Here we go. Um, David, uh, David and his men uh, were in the back of the, in staying in the back of the cave. So they said to David, David's men said to David, look, they whispered, look, this is the day the Lord told you about. I'll hand you over to, I'll hand your enemy over to you so you can do with him whatever you desire. Remember when God told you that, David, this is your chance. In other words, they wanted David to go out and kill Saul so that David could be king. Now, there was something in it for them because they had aligned their loyalties with David, right? And these were people that had been fugitives. And they said, we actually want you to be king because then we'll become your court. And now there's the king and this is the opportunity. So go kill him. But the scripture says David got up secretly and, and cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Just took a little slice. No injury, no foul, just a little, just a little slice. Afterward, it says David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Now, I don't know if that would bother my conscience if I was in David's shoes. If somebody's trying to kill me and they're coming after me and they've got armies coming after me and I haven't done anything to them and all I do is just tear off the tag on their t-shirt, I'm not, I'm not feeling so bad about that, all right? But David's conscience was seared by this, uh, was pricked by this rather. Uh, after David's conscience bothered him because he cut off the corner of Saul's robe, he said to his men, I swear before the Lord, I would never do such a thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed. I will never lift my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. With these words, David persuaded his men, and he did not let them rise up against Saul. Then Saul left the cave and went on his way. After that, David got up, went out of the cave, and called to Saul, My lord, the king! When Saul looked behind him, David bowed to the ground in homage. Imagine that. Someone's trying to kill you, and you bow to the ground in homage. David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of the people who say, Look, David intends to harm you? You can see with your own eyes that the Lord handed you over to me today in the cave. Someone advised me to kill you, but I took pity on you. And I said, I won't lift my hand against the Lord since he is the Lord's anointed. See my father. And notice that. Now, this is interesting because because David called Saul father. He had such affection. He had such honor for him. He had such love for him that he called him father. See my father. My father, he said, look at the corner of your robe in my hand, for I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. Look and recognize there is no evil and there is no rebellion in me. I haven't sinned against you, even though you are hunting me down to take my life. Even though you're trying to kill me, I'm not trying to kill you. When David finished saying these things to him, Saul replied, is that your voice, David, my son? Then Saul wept aloud. And said to David, you are more righteous than I. For you have done what is good to me, though I have done what is evil to you. Then he says something very interesting. I'm going to end this passage here. Now I know for certain you will be king. And the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. I want to preach for just a few moments today on the topic decisions in the dark decisions in the dark let's pray together father we come before you and i just pray that your word would go forth that you would anoint my mouth to speak honestly clearly usefully to your people i pray for those of us who are going uh, through 
a time of decision making, a time where we are in the cave and we are making decisions in the dark. I pray that you would give us your strength by the power of your Holy Spirit to make the kind of decisions that would lead us into the light. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 Um, a few years ago, I took my kids down to Six Flags. And at Six, Six Flags, they've got many rides that are fun. And then they have um, some rides that are sort of boring. But um, one of the rides that my, kid, my kids like, which I find boring, but they like it, is the carousel. And it's just a, anybody ever, you know, you know the carousel. It's the, like the little merry-go-round and you get on a horse and there are brass bars and little twinkling lights and everything's very colorful and it goes up and down and it plays music. And it's, it's a delightful ride. Let's just, it's a delightful ride. It's not my favorite, but it's nice. And if you're a kid, you really like it. Uh, and I was on the carousel this day with the kids and I noticed something that I'd never noticed before on the carousel. I looked over and for whatever reason, they had a trap door in the carousel, a trap door that was right in the middle, like near the wheel, the, 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 the very middle part. The trap door was open, and I was able to see past all of the veneer, past the color, past the lights, past the paint, past all of the brass and the shiny stuff. I was able to see inside of the, of, of the, of the mechanics of the carousel. And it was really interesting because I would have never occurred to me ever but behind all of the facade, behind all of the brightness, there are the nuts and the bolts and the mechanics and the pistons and all of the machinery that actually makes the carousel function. And of course, I do what I always do when I see something that catches my attention. I think, what is the sermon application that's available from this moment in my life? And what I, what I, what I thought about, what I discovered, what I sort of intuited after this was that uh, all of us, when we approach the carousel, right, we notice all of the bright things. The kids that are on the carousel, we notice the facade. We notice the paint. We notice the twinkling lights. We notice the mirrors. We hear the music. What we don't ever think about are the mechanics and the nuts and bolts and the function and the motors and the pistons behind the scenes. We don't notice the thing behind the thing that makes the thing work, right? David is in a moment in his life where he's in the dark. He's behind the scenes. He's having to make some decisions in the dark that will determine when he comes out to the light. He's having to make some decisions, hear me somebody, in a cave that will determine when he will ascend to the crown. Here's the reality about you and me and all of our lives is this. The, de the destiny that God has for us is determined not by our public performance, it's determined by the decisions that we make in the dark. It's determined by the, the things that nobody sees. It's determined by those moments that are behind the twinkling lights, behind the facade, behind the prettiness, behind the music. Behind, in the dark, we're making decisions that are going to determine our fate, that are going to determine our destiny. And God is saying to David, and God is saying to you, God is saying to me, I need you to make the right decision in the dark so that I can lead you to the light. I need you to make the right decision in the cave so that I can lead you to the crown. And I think many of us go through many, many long periods of our life where we're forced to make decisions that nobody will ever see. Nobody will ever know how we made the decision because we're making the decision in the dark. We're making a decision behind the scenes that is going to impact us for the rest maybe in some cases for the rest of our life, that nobody will ever see. We can come out and present however we want to present. But what really matters are the decisions that we make in the dark.
And so I want to spend just a few moments this morning looking through this passage. And I want to break open a couple moments in this passage to help us. I told you this is we're going to move into some instruction. Okay, we're coming out of inspiration into instruction, instructing us. How do we approach these kinds of decisions that many of us have to make in, in the in the in the cave of life? The decisions where perhaps we've been done wrong and we have to decide how we're going to respond to that. Or or perhaps we're in a dark period and we have to decide how we're going to react and how we're going to respond in that dark period as it's going to determine how how and when we're going to come out to the light. So what I want to do is I want to break this passage down a little bit and I want to dive in to some of the the unique moments of it. I want to start with this part right here where David's men are, are talking to David about this. David's men said to him, they said, This is the day the Lord told you about. In other words, they're saying, look, we want you to do this now. And a lot of times, a lot of times, I don't know if you ever do this, but a lot of times we will make a decision that best suits our immediate desire. And then we'll put a divine, we'll put some divine language on it. You know what I'm talking about? God wants me to be happy. God wants me to, right? You just throw some God on it. And now you can make any decision that you want, but you're going to apply some scripture to it. You're going to justify the decision instead of having the decision determine the direction. You're going to say, look, God, I'm going to, I'm just, can I just add you to the decision that I made? Right? And this is what his men are doing. They're saying, this is the thing. God wants you to do this. God is encouraging you. David's a little bit smarter than that because he's, he's, he needs to listen to somebody that's, that's moving towards the crown. He can't listen to the guys that are stuck in the cave with him. So they said, this is the guy, this is the moment the Lord told you about that he'll hand your enemy over to you. He'll, you can do whatever you desire. It says, then David got up secretly and cut off the corner. So he didn't do what they wanted. He just, he just cut off the corner of Saul's robe. I want to, I want to, I want to talk about an idea for just a moment. It's one of my least favorite words in the English language, but I got to break it down for you. And here it is. It's patience. Sometimes we have to make secret. We have to make uh, decisions in the dark that require some patience that require us to pause that require us to do some things that we don't really want to do. I don't know about you, but when, when I see where I'm going, I want to be there already. I actually, I want to have already been there and I want to already have been moving on to the next thing and have that thing in the rearview mirror. Right. And David has been, remember, David has already been anointed king. He's already been anointed king. Samuel said to him, you're going to be the king. There's a moment where he has to decide, am I going to take this matter into my own hands or am I going to wait on God's timing? Am I going to make this move right now that God does not want me to make? Because God, God does not want you to kill the Lord's anointed. He doesn't want you to kill the king. God never instructed David to kill Saul. Right? God never said, you know what? Just, just go ahead and do it. Just go ahead. And, he just, you just go ahead and do it. He never said that. So David is having to determine. He's going to have to determine for himself. When can I make this decision? And how can I make that? I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to show some restraint. I'm going to have to practice some patience. Which is not what you want to do when you're in a dark place. And you can actually see the goal that you're, that you're going for. I don't know if this ever happens to you. I'm going to lighten the mood for one minute, okay? So just follow me. I don't know if you've ever done this. Have you ever had on a pair of pants, had on a pair of shoes, for whatever reason, you need to put on a different pair of pants, but you don't want to take your shoes off? (laughs) Has that ever happened to anybody? I love the eight honest people that are in this (laughs) congregation today, right? If you've ever done it, 
you know that you end up in a much worse predicament than you would have if you would have just taken the moment to take the shoes off. There's a sequence to our life that has to happen. Sometimes we need to spend some time in the cave so that God can see how we're going to perform in the cave, the kind of decisions we're going to make in the cave, so that he can take us out of the cave into the crown. He can take us into the destiny that he has for us, but he's not going to take us into the destiny that he has for us until he's seen how we perform in the dark. And I don't know about you, but there, there are just so many moments in my own life where I just, I just want to go ahead and make the call. I want to send the email. I want to send the text. I want to get it done. I want to move it forward. And God is saying, look, I need you to hold back. I need you to, I had a, 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 I knew a guy. I'm going to put it that way. I knew a guy, a past, he was a, he was a pastor or he was a church planter. He wanted to be, he, he, he wanted to be a pastor. He wanted to pastor a church. And he wanted to get it started, and he wanted to do it now. And I understand that, because I was a church planter at one point, and, and I understand that. But I keep wanting to call him a friend, but he's a guy, a no. And what he did was, and I didn't even know you could do this, he, he got everything ready to plant the church. I didn't know you could do this. He actually bought Facebook likes for his Facebook church's Facebook page. I guess you can buy likes. Somebody, somebody is smarter in technology than me. You, so he, he didn't, he actually didn't have any disciples, but he had like 10,000 followers, but they weren't real followers. See, he put the cart in front of the horse. He said, I want to, I want to do this. So I'm going to, I'm going to be impatient and I'm going to do something that I should, that I shouldn't do because I want to get to the thing where I'm trying to get to, but I'm trying to get there too early. I'm doing things out of sequence. You, you, you know what I mean? A lot of times in life, we're trying to get to the thing that we're trying to get to, but there are steps in between. And God is saying, I need you to slow your roll. I need you to just do the thing that's right in front of you. David, you see, throughout the experience where we see David, throughout his experience, he was never pursuing the crown. He was always serving in the, in the situation that was right in front of him. Every time we meet David, he's, he's never going, God, just put me on the throne. He's never doing that. He's saying, what am I supposed to do right here, right now? If I'm, if I'm in the shepherd field and there's a bear coming to attack the sheep, it's time for me to kill the bear. If there's a lion coming, it's time for me to kill the lion. If there's Goliath, it's time for me to kill Goliath. If Saul's temperament has gone bad and he's asking me to play the harp, if you just read the other passages, and he asked me to play the harp, I'm going to play the, I'm going to serve where I'm situated. I'm going to serve where you've got me. And that's how God advances him. He doesn't advance him because he's pursuing it. He advances him because he's patient. The scripture says this about patience. And I love this, this scripture from, uh, from James. It says, my brothers, count it all joy when you're in the cave. Count it all joy when you're in a hard spot. Count it all joy when you're facing difficulties and hardships and trials of various kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Patience is an active word here. It means to hold up under. It means to hold up under, to lift up under, produces patience, and let patience perform, have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. God is saying, I'm actually trying to build something in you in the middle of this cave. I need you to make the right decision in this cave. I need you to restrain yourself. I need you to have some patience. I need you to slow it down. I need you to wait. Today, for somebody, that's your message. The message is, be patient. Hold on. God's got this. God's in charge. His timing is perfect. Hold on. He's with you. Don't do anything stupid. 
Don't do anything rash. Don't respond out of anger. Don't respond because you've been betrayed. Don't respond because you've been hurt. Don't, don't react just because somebody messed with you. Slow down. I'm in charge of this. Make the right call, right? Make the right call. So he makes the right call. And I like where it goes in the next, uh, in the next passage there. Put on that next scripture. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he comes out of the cave and he says, see, my father, look at the corner of your robe in my hand, for I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. Look and recognize that there is no evil or rebellion in me. I haven't sinned against you. And then this is the phrase I want you to get. Even though you are hunting me down to take my life. Somebody say, even though you. you. Say it, say it, say it strong. Even though you. you. See, a lot of times we don't say, even though you. We say, yeah, but they. Right? We don't say, I'm going to do the right thing even though you did the wrong thing. We say, I'm going to do the wrong thing. And then, yeah, but they did this first, so I'm going to do that. Right? Here's the next, the next piece I want you to look at. It's the idea of principle. It's the idea of principle. It's not, you're, you're not doing it because you want to do it. You're not making decisions based on your desire. You're basing decisions based on what's right. You're doing the right thing. Not just what will get the result. I, I, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm looking at this scripture and I'm looking at David and I'm thinking to myself, man, if somebody has been coming after me like this and somebody has been pursuing me like this, it becomes really, really hard for me to do the right thing. But the reality is we all, somebody needs this this morning. We know what the right thing to do is. Wherever you're at right now, you're making decisions in your life. You're facing circumstances in your life. You actually know what the right thing to do is. There are situations every once in a while that are complicated, that are difficult, where you're having to make a, a difficult choice. Most decisions you make, you actually know what the right thing to do, even, even though the thing is hard to do. So it's hard to do the right thing. It's not hard to know what the right thing to do is. Are you tracking with me? Sometimes, sometimes we make decisions more difficult because we actually want to justify our disobedience. Do you know what I mean? We're like, well, this is a hard decision. It's actually not a hard decision. It's, it's, it's a hard behavior. It's a hard thing. The decision isn't hard, though, right? Because we actually know what we're supposed to do. When people tell me it's, that when people say this, you know what, it's complicated. When they say that, usually what it means is they're compromised, right? Because usually it's not complicated. Come on, somebody. Everybody's like, yeah, it is complicated. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's usually not complicated. Usually we know. So, so my kids, they don't usually say, even though, even though you took my candy, I'm going to embrace you and give you a hug. They use the other phrase. Did you hit your brother? Yeah, but he, right? Did you take your candy from your sister? Yeah, but she, right? This is what we do. When we get hurt, we want to yeah, but they. And God is saying, no, I don't want you to yeah, but they. I want you to say, even though you. Even though you did this, this is for somebody today. Even though, even though you've been done wrong, do right. Just because somebody harmed you, don't lash back out. Don't go back after them. Do the right thing, no matter what. Don't worry about the results. I've got the results. Let me give you a scripture uh, on this. This is from Luke. And I love this passage. It's, I, I haven't really heard this passage preached on much. There's just a little phrase in the middle of it that, that struck me this week. 
This is when Jesus was getting ready to to go and and be crucified on our behalf. It says, now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly, look at this phrase, set his face. In other words, I love how the King James translates that. He says he set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. He knew where he was going. What was going to happen in Jerusalem is that he was going to be tried. He was going to be whipped. He was going to be beaten. He was going to have a crown of thorns put upon his head. He was going to be crucified. And he did not want to do that. But the scripture says he set his face. He said, look, I'm going to go do the right thing no matter what. People persecute. I'm going to do the right thing. People coming after me. People lie. People do whatever. I'm going to do the right thing. Somebody today is facing decisions that you're trying to make about your life, about your money, about your body, about your friendships, about your relationships, about whatever it is you're going through, about your career, about your ethics, about your morals. And let me just encourage you. Let me just instruct you with the scripture. Set your face on the thing that's right. Come on, somebody. Set your face on what is right. Set your face and say, it doesn't matter what comes in the way. doesn't matter what obstacles. doesn't matter who's in my ear. I'm going to set my face on what's right, and I'm going to go after what's right. And I want to show you how Saul responds to this. Because David does the right thing in this moment. And then it says this. Saul wept aloud. Saul was not a weeping guy. Let me just tell you this. Saul was a cut-your-head-off kind of guy. That was more his M.O. He was the kind of guy that would throw spears at you when you weren't looking. And that's, that's just the way he did things. Saul wept aloud and said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have done what is good to me, though I have done what is evil to you. And then this is the part that gets me. Watch this. Now I know for certain, Saul says, you're going to be king. The kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. He didn't say that when David slew Goliath. He didn't say that when David was winning battles on the battlefield. He said it when he saw a decision that David made in the dark. And he said, oh, I can't make those kind of decisions, Saul says. I can't do that. I can make the decisions out in public. I can make myself look good. I can have the bells and the twinkling lights and the colors. But when Saul went into the darkness, when Saul went into the cave, he couldn't make the right decisions. He saw David make the right decision in the dark, and he said, oh, my God, you are going to be king. He'd never admitted that before. And in this moment, he says, I I, I recognize what God is going to do through you because of the decision that you made in the dark which brings me to the last thing I want to say. I want to talk about promotion. Promotion. It's when we make these decisions in the dark that God can lead us to the light. Now, when we make the wrong decision in the dark, we're not disqualified. God doesn't dismiss you. He gives you another opportunity to make the decision again. And when we find ourselves in the cave of life, we find ourselves in these moments where we're having to make hard decisions because somebody has done us wrong or we're in a bad situation or we're just in a hard time in life. God says, look, let me make the right decision because when you make the right decision, I can lead you forward into the next decision. And after you've made the right decision there, I can make you, I can lead you forward into the next decision. It's one step. I want to give you some application real quick as I close out here uh, on this. Oh, let me give you one scripture. This is from Proverbs. It says, if your enemy is hungry, give him food. If you've been done wrong, do right. If he's he's thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Do what's right when you've been done wrong. God's going to advance you. 
He's going to keep walking you forward. He's going to, I, I have read some theologians that say, heaping coals of fire just means, you know, blessings. You know, they kind of, no, no, no. It means coals of fire. It means like your, your, your enemy is going to be abashed, be ashamed, right? And God's going to reward you and he's going to bring justice. So don't try to hold justice in your own hands. Don't worry about the result. God's got the result. You make the right decision. Make the right decision. I'm going to give you the application and here's how you do it. Number one. Serve where you're situated. Serve where you're stationed. Wherever you're at right now, do the right thing there. Serve God right here, right now. Whatever your past has been, let it be the past. Whatever you're dreaming of for the future, you have no control over that. Just do the thing right here. I have so many, so many people in our church. There are so many young people in our church that are looking for their purpose. God, give me my purpose. How do I get my purpose? Let me help you. Let me free you right now. Your purpose is to do the right thing right here, right now. That's your purpose. That's all you, that's all you need. Just serve where you're situated. Find a place here right now to serve somebody else. Be a part of what God is doing right here, right now. Serve where you're situated. The second one is this. Grow where you're planted. Grow where you're planted. Find some people. Get in a life group. Find some people that are that are followers of Jesus, that you can spend some time with and allow your spiritual life to grow. Allow your spiritual life to flourish and blossom now, here. You don't have to, this is not something way off in the, it's right here, right now. And the last one is this, trust in God's timing. Just trust that God's got the results in his hand. Last, last week we learned that the battle is the Lord's. He's got this. Somebody needs to say, he's got you. He's got you. Now, here's what I, here's what I want to do, and I'm going to, I'm going to end it right now. Some of you are th- listening to this sermon, and you're literally going, you're thinking through all of the bad decisions you've made in the dark. You're going, man, yeah, great, David. Way to go. Awesome. Good for you. But I've blown it. I've blown it in the cave so many times. I've had the opportunity to make the right decision, but I've made the wrong decision. I could have done this, but I did that. Some of you are thinking that right now, and this sermon feels heavy to you. This sermon feels heavy. But I don't want you, I don't, I don't want you to go out of here heavy, because I'm going to tell you one last thing. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, the scripture says it was dark. It was night. And he went up to a garden, Garden of Gethsemane. And Gethsemane, it's a garden where they crush the olives. It, was, it means crushing. It means, and he went up to this garden where nobody else was around. Disciples were asleep. And in the dark, he had to make a decision. Am I going to go forward into the destiny that God has for me, that the Father has for me? Am I going to go to the cross or am I not going to go to the cross? He had to make a decision in the dark. And it wasn't a decision that he wanted to make. He knew the right thing to do, but he didn't want to do the right thing because the right thing is sometimes hard. That's why he said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to make the decision to go forward. If there's any way out of it, I want out of it. But then he made a decision for you. And he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. The decision that he made that day is what gives you freedom It's what gives you mercy. It's what gives you grace. Every time you blow a decision. 
It's the, it's the reason that when you make the wrong decision, you're not disqualified. It's when you make the wrong decision, you're not dismissed. You're not cast out. You're not left behind. Because he made a decision in the dark for you. And today, maybe your decision is to receive that. To just receive that. And to say, man, I've made so many wrong choices. I've made so many wrong calls. I've made so many bad decisions in the dark. But God, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for the decision you made in the dark for me. Would you close your eyes? Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I pray for each and every person here. All of us have been in the cave. We've all been faced with difficult decisions that no one else could see. Sometimes we've made the right decision. Sometimes we've made the wrong decision. But Father, we are grateful for your son, Jesus, who made the right decision in the dark for us. We open our hearts. We receive your mercy. We receive your grace. We receive your power. We receive all of the strength that you have for us. God, give us the power. Give us the strength to go forward from here and make the right decisions in the dark that we need to make so that you can lead us into the light of the life that you have for us. Father, we pray this to your honor, to your praise, to your glory. In Jesus' name, somebody said, amen, amen.